Welcome to the Becoming a Creator podcast, everyone. Today, I'm joined by that nerd, Violet, a very cozy content creator, to say the least. Uh, I'm excited to dive deep into your story, and uh, thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really yeah. excited to be here. And I like to start with some kind of rapid-fire questions, get to know you a little bit what? as well. I've seen a couple of your Sims clips, but oh, what, <laughs> what was the hardest challenge that you've done in The Sims? Oh my gosh. Well, I would say it's probably one that I'm still working on right now, which is the 100 babies challenge. So I started it prior and I never finished it. So if you've never played the Sims, you basically have one Sim that throughout their lifetime, they have to have a hundred kids and you can't have any outside help. It's absolute madness. And I thought it was bad, but then a few months ago, The Sims came out with a brand new update with a life stage called Infants. So they're in between like uh, uh. the newborns and toddlers. I listen, it was a it was a great idea for stream, but also I am so happy we only do it like one to two times a week because it's too much for me. <laughs> so do you start a new like character every time when you try and do that? Or is it like one no. that you're continually trying to you're, push for? Yeah. So it's it's you're staying with the same family throughout like 100 uh, oh Sims. And it's it's fun because, you know, a lot of what I like in The Sims is a lot of like lifestyle and like family gameplay. Um, but this kind of flips it on its head where, yeah, you're playing a family, but you're in the same place with the same people. <laughs> Chat loves it because I do giveaways where they can name the kids. And oh, um, we've had some really hilarious names like mothball and things that I don't think I can say on here. Um, but great like pun names. And it's just, it's fun. It really is. I just love how interactive it can be with the community. Well, speaking of fun, what's your favorite social platform right now? Well, <laughs> if you find them fun. Um, I mean, I used to like Twitter, but uh, that has become a whole different thing. I'd say probably, I don't know, I don't know if this quite counts, but I still really enjoy TikTok. Um, I don't create a ton of content for TikTok anymore because I've been kind of, you know, refocusing myself onto YouTube. But as somebody who, you know, before I go to bed every night, I'm still on TikTok. I'm getting book recommendations, new game recommendations. I'm finding things out about, you know, being an adult, like little little life hacks and stuff against yeah. my will, but I'm finding <laughs> them out. <laughs> okay, so then overall for you, what's your favorite, cozy games or horror games? Oh, I don't know if I can pick because both of them have helped me through really tough times in my own life. And I really still like both. I would say primarily, I would say like right now, cozy games for where my content is. But I love everything. The one game that really got me into gaming, even though I had played games prior, I don't know if you've ever played it, but was Bioshock. So that oh, yeah. was the one that really, it taught me that, oh my gosh, like, the storylines can be as all-encompassing as if you're reading a novel. Yeah, I grew up reading. I loved reading Goosebumps from a very young age. And I'm still like a very prolific reader now. I read like three to five books a week on top of everything else because I just really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, I, I still say both because both they have their own pros and cons with it sometimes i want to be scared sometimes i want a really good story other times i just want to you know pretend i'm a farmer and not have to think about my life <laughs> yeah, definitely not i i see it and so maybe that goes similar with this next question as well then but yeah. 
Do you prefer let's plays or completing challenges in games? Ooh. I think a bit of both. I like challenge-based things because I'm very type A personality. So challenge-based stuff is basically you're making a to-do list and checking things off, which is really like intensely satisfying for me. But at the same time, it's really nice to just screw around in a game too and say, I don't know what we're up to today. Let's just find our own way and then chaos can ensue. So it's really exciting. And they're very different. So then it kind of like yeah. even evens you out to where it's like, all right, you can do one thing one time, do something else and you have more variety. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the best thing about a lot of the games that I tend to play now, whether they're cozy or scary, is you can play them in so many different ways, not necessarily the way that it's meant to be played. You know, sure. even if I'm getting back into um, Dead by Daylight, which I used to play like solely for two or three years, just going and having fun. Like, I don't care if I'm if I'm escaping, you know, if I can lock or slam the killer a few times, I've enjoyed myself. Let's go on to the next match. So then I I think this is a good place to even just kind of get a better understanding with your content, where you are right now then. Where are you currently at with creating content? And, yeah. you know, what's your favorite platforms? What are you doing with it? So I definitely right now in terms of content have been more geared towards cozy games. Um, I was going through a really tough period of my life the last year. I had uh, lost my last living parent. And the scary games were really... Um, less fun for me. Sure. They were more anxiety inducing more, you know, I was already dealing with so much stress in my life. I went, I don't want anybody chasing me. I'm trying to run away from my problems <laughs> enough as it is. So I promised myself in January, I said, I'm going to play the games that I want. We're going to just try this out. We're going to see what sticks. And it was huge in my community. And I found, you know, not that I've never played these games before I did, but not in quite the capacity that I had been putting out in my content. So it was a huge hit in the community. And I said, you know, with the state of things, I think I'm going to have to start really getting on YouTube. And at that point, it wasn't something that I was super passionate about, but I knew in my heart that if I wanted to stay in the business, it was just something I was going to have to do. Um, but like three, four months later now, I cannot imagine not being on YouTube and like how much I found a new passion within that. Um, for example, like, I love script writing now. I never thought I would be into it. And it's funny, too, because I went to college for uh, majoring in English. I actually um, taught high school English for a few years before my, my mother got sick. Mm. And um, just like reigniting, I guess, a passion that it's just it's just so different. Live content is great and I love it and I would never not do it. But there's something so wonderful about the additional creativity that pre-recorded content can bring. And it really scratched that itch for me. Well, that's what I, so I went onto your YouTube and I was looking yeah. at some of these like cozy game reviews and like yeah. recommendations and even following the news on some of it. And I was going to say like, it's so well put together and well-spoken and you. like, it, it's, it's phenomenal, <laughs> especially for that community that you're like creating it for. Like, I totally see exactly what you're going for Thank with it. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. I've learned everything myself. I I did at one point. I Matt, if you're ever listening to this, I love you. Um, I did have an editor for a little over a year for my TikTok stuff. Um, but everything on YouTube, I did myself and I taught myself. So anytime somebody compliments me, like I feel like I could cry yeah. because it's I put so much 
you know, extra time into it, time that's unpaid. You know, a lot of creators go through the same thing. And even though I might be a little bit more established than other people, it doesn't mean that I didn't take the time that I needed to, to learn and understand the platforms and, and, right. you know, uh, the, the editing and, and, you know, and then all the time spent too watching some of my favorite channels. And I said, well, what do I like about them? What can I implement into my YouTube videos that I enjoy in others? And it's still a learning process, but I am just night and day from, you know, when I first started three or four months ago. And I know another three or four months from now, I'm going to be in a completely different place too. A hundred percent. And I mean, you said you kind of, you knew in your heart that you had to do it. Tell me yeah. a bit about that. Well, I think... So I guess let me bring you back because if I explain about how I found Twitch, I think this might make a little bit sure, more sense. Yeah. So I watched Twitch since the Justin TV days and I was always a viewer. Um, I honestly like some of my favorite channels don't even stream anymore, but it was a it was a great place to just hang out and and watch Let's Plays and interact with communities. Um, and then it was obviously acquired by Amazon um, and then, uh, I had started dating my, my then partner now spouse who was in between jobs for three months and they had started streaming. They were playing Eve online and they said, Oh my God, like you'd be so good at this. And I went, who wants to watch me? They got me like the, the ever loved Logitech C920 for Christmas. And that's what I started doing, like just as a hobby. And then the pandemic happened. Um, I was already, I had already left work at that point to, uh, care for my father at the time who was diagnosed with Parkinson's and my spouse had said, you know, like keep doing this on the side, you know, cause you're home all day. You need somewhere to interact with people around the world. And I said, okay. And then, uh, we played animal crossing and my channel went right place, right time blew up. I had some really big, um, viral tweets, um, from gameplay and that's kind of where we've we've been like on this nice trajectory, which has been wonderful, not too overwhelming, like just enough that I was able to sure. take advantage of it. Um, but I guess going back to everything is where the website was back in the Justin TV days back in even 2020 now it was, it's so different from where it is today, where you could get away with just being on Twitch or just being on YouTube, just being on one platform. And now it's so saturated and <laughs> the platforms are doing things that are not super creator friendly as they once were um, because of our economy. So it's unfortunate that I do have to say that you kind of have to be a little bit everywhere or at the very least on like two to three platforms right now to make sure that your content is getting seen. Um, and it's a lot. It's a lot. It's stressful. Some days are really hard because, you know, another news story will break like, oh, here's <laughs> something else that is insanely <laughs> terrible for us creators. And it's like, yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna have a milkshake and a bubble bath and we'll we'll do a script tomorrow. <laughs> so it was really uh, something of you adapting to your situations and yeah. being like, all right, this is where I can see more of a future for content, continuing to diversify. Is that more where you're coming from with it then? Very much so, yeah. And it stems from me too in my own personal life because I think everybody is motivated in different ways. And for me, 
I never was looking to make this a career. It was my hobby. And I just ended up again, being in the right place, right time. And it was great, like additional income for my family when, you know, I had to pay for my father's medical equipment. I had to pay for his nursing home. I had to pay for his end of life care. Um, And I had already left teaching at that point to take care of my mother when she was sick. And so for the first time in my life, I'm doing something that I feel passionate about and I'm happy. Like, you know, uh, I'm sure that so many people can relate where we're working 10 to 12 hours a day, but it doesn't feel like work because we love it and we enjoy it. And of course, there are caveats there. There are, you know, really terrible things about the business, but Every day I can say, you know what? I'm pretty happy. I really am. And uh, as part of that, that means I really do want to stay in the business. And that means making some sacrifices and and putting my eggs in other baskets to ensure my longevity as much as possible. Do you think deciding to go kind of with more of the scripted content, and it's a different route than you necessarily like taking highlights from even your stream and like trying to repurpose something. This is something very dedicated. Is that something that's like... You saw, oh, I, I have all this previous experience and knowledge and the ability to do this. Maybe I can find a different way to do that. Or um, have you tried doing the highlight route? Why not go more towards that? Well, so I guess as a catch-22, because I before I started making stuff on YouTube, I was really researching for a good month or two. Um I like research. I, you know, I always excelled a lot in school. And I think that's part of the reason why I had wanted to become a teacher for so long, because I said, well, I'm doing this stuff anyway, might as well get paid for it and talk to kids about it. Right. Sure. Um, and it really was, I loved it. I loved it so much. I, I, it's a different time in my life. I'll, I will never go back for, you know, my own reasons now, but, sure. um, that's what I really geared towards. So when I was researching it, I had noticed that, you know, three or four years ago, Let's Plays were everywhere. And there still are channels that do very well, but they're far and few between. So I knew that, you know, here and there, I definitely wanted to post Let's Plays because my community does enjoy them. But in order to get new folks in, I mm-hmm. was going to have to do something a little bit different. So when I started things off with The Sims, I was doing different challenges and that was helping bring people in. But then I got to the point where I said, hold on, let me pump the brakes. I was a main game streamer for like two, two and a half years with Dead by Daylight. And I felt myself slipping into that with The Sims Mm -hmm. again. And um, not to say that I don't think every creator is not going to have a main game at some point in in their life, but the more variety you are, I have felt that the more potential for business opportunities and sponsorships will come your way because they'll say, oh, wow, you're holding all of these community members throughout all of these games. Well, you'll do well with our game. You know, here's a check. Um, So I said, well, what else can I do? And I said, well, I like cozy games and we've been doing a little bit of that anyway. And I watch a ton of cozy game reviews. Maybe I could do the same thing. Let's give it a try. And I have really enjoyed it. I've really loved it. I don't see myself um, stopping that part of it anytime soon, but just adding in some other variety content along with it. So then when you first started, was it um, you saw the success with it was Dead by Daylight, the first game that you played? I think you mentioned it was a 
Different game. Not, yeah. not like the first, first game that I played. The first game I played, I actually played with my spouse, Terraria, Terraria, however you pronounce it. Um, and then I was very much variety in the beginning. So this would be between like when I was like 20 to 40 viewers. I yeah. was playing Bioshock. I was playing, oh my gosh, you name it. I was pretty much playing it. You know, I didn't really have any direction at that time because I was just doing it as a hobby. I didn't know, right? Yeah. And then I had found Dead by Daylight because I had started watching um, Kayla Cauliflower. And I said, wow, this looks like a lot of fun. I haven't really played a lot of horror games in my life. Like, let me let me check it out. And I got so addicted. I loved the community. I loved the streamers. And I was doing pretty decent. I was still streaming at night at that point. And I would say I probably hit like 50 or 60. Not enough for partner at the time. But it definitely propelled me up. Um, and then I was still dabbling in Dead by Daylight during the pandemic. But I would, I would say I was mostly Dead by Daylight and maybe like 20% variety. Um, it was more or less maybe like 5% cozy games, like with Animal Crossing and stuff and otherwise like horror variety. So Resident Evil, um, any of the indie games that came out, Visage was a huge hit in my channel, which was basically like as if Silent Hills 5 actually had come out. Um, it was just, it was amazing and it was fun, but it. There were pros and cons for me. You know, you obviously get burnt out because you're playing it all the time. And sure. uh, in the Dead by Daylight community, you know, the creators are so nice. But I am not one for, like, a lot of confrontation. Um, it's just who I am as a person. You know, I, I'm, I'm like a be kind type of attitude unless you do something to me. And I was just getting so angry because all I wanted to do was have fun. I wasn't like super good at the game i'll say okay yeah i did i did pretty good in chases and stuff like that but you know when the perks got reworked and people would be complaining about the buffs and nerfs and this and that and everything sure. i was like okay like so what <laughs> you know and sure. i felt like there really wasn't a place for me in that game as somebody that was like not like toxic positive at all but but just enjoying myself right a place mm. for fun <laughs> so that really started to get to me. And then when the security stuff had come up, I said, oh, my gosh, well, you know, people are getting docs. People are getting their IPs stolen. I said, you know, I still had my father at home with me at the time. I said, I don't want to put my, the people that I love at risk right now. I think we should take a break. And mm. I'm happy that we did. I really yeah. am. And, and I'm and happy that my channel survived it. I'm lucky in that aspect. Definitely. And I, I think a lot of that, though, I would assume is like you built up that audience over this time to where yeah. maybe don't not all of them continue over. But if you started with variety and now have been doing this for so long and built yeah. a bigger community, you can then take that some, as well as just developing your skills as you're going through that game. I'm sure totally uh, you would you took a lot from that experience into what you now play for other Right. Yeah. And and again, as I brought up before, you know, that part of the experience is, OK, I think at certain points we will all have a main game, you know, say, uh, say uh, Tears of the Kingdom came out. Right. You know, you'll have some streamers that are playing that for a month and then they'll switch to another game. But for that period of time, that was their main game. And that's OK. But for me, I want to make sure that, you know, if I'm playing The Sims, as an example, I don't want to do more. If I'm streaming four times a week, we'll do it twice, maybe three times if something is is like a new uh, expansion packs coming out. But I want to make sure there's always room for that variety because I think that will help with my mental health 
It will yeah. help with the community's understanding and it will provide more business opportunities as well. It sounds like you're very clear with that as well. And I would assume with the community as well, like, hey, this is my format. This is what I'm aiming for. Yeah. And like that clear picture, I'm sure gives them some stability and to Absolutely. know like, okay, I have this level of quality that I can expect and enjoy. Yeah. And like, Definitely. And I think being consistent in that has helped a lot. Um, I'm consistent in my schedule and I am consistent on updating them when things come out. And they've really enjoyed this new, like, cozy sector that we're getting in. So with, you know, me doing the cozy game reviews, they know, oh, Violet's probably going to play some of these. Oh, this is on sale. Violet's probably going to play it. Um, so it helps to, I think, keep those expectations the same. Uh, so then along those lines with your <laughs> schedule, uh, what is kind of your day in the life and or Ooh. even <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's super sporadic for people. So I don't know. But. <laughs> coffee <laughs> is is there like um, a specific stream schedule that you hold or upload yeah. schedule and then to that um yeah so um my stream schedule i just recently switched so originally for the last five months i would say like maybe twice a year i switch up my stream schedule um because whatever i'm doing at the time I don't want to say maybe it's not working, but I feel maybe in a little bit of a rut or, or, you know, something just needs to change. Right. Sure. So originally I was doing four days in a row, Monday through Thursday, I would be off on Fridays for behind the scenes stuff, editing messages, emails, you know, basically yeah. here, but not on camera. And then I would have my weekends with the family. You know, one day we would just lounge at home or do something. And then the next day would be errands. And it was very rigid and structured. And I think I needed that in my time, especially since I was going through a period of grief. Um, but that just kind of became too much for me where by Thursday, I was so exhausted that mm. when I wanted to do my back end work on Fridays, I was too tired. I was just like napping the whole day and reading. And I went, well, this isn't quite what I mm -hmm. <laughs> envisioned. Something needs to change. So a few weeks ago, I said, well, let me go back to something that I tried before where I'm streaming Monday, Tuesday, I'm off Wednesday, and then I'm streaming Thursday, Friday. So I have the break a little bit earlier for back end work. And it's been much better for me. Um, I'm actually finding that I'm getting more things done. I'm not burnt out by Friday. You know, it's definitely, I definitely feel it on Friday, but not to the degree that I was feeling it before where I was doing four days in a row. And, um, you know, anybody that streams knows how time consuming it is because you have to be live for a certain amount of time, but you need to be on, you right. know, even with teaching, I had moments where, okay, I was handing out a test. I was putting on a movie. They were reading it was not as involved as streaming is. And and people are like, but you were a teacher. You worked your butt off. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I'm working 10 times harder as a streamer. I really am. So I like the new schedule change. It's working for me right now. <laughs> Check back in in six months. Sure. Um, but in terms of scheduling stuff for YouTube, I'm trying to get to the point where I have enough um, of a backlog where I can do twice a week. But right now it's been like once a week on a Thursday or a Friday, depending when things come out. Sometimes it's not always the same. Um, you know, if like a a sale or a Nintendo Direct happens, um, something changes. Like, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. I did three videos, which was my first three video week. But I already had things that I had planned and a Nintendo Direct came out. And I said, let's mm -hmm. just try and get it out. Like, I'm off today anyway. 
I don't need to be on camera. I'll just do a voiceover. We'll see how it how it does. And that was like my most commented on video so far. So I was like, nice. okay, keep this up in the future. Um, and yeah, our growth has been great, but it's been it's been steady enough that I know that there's growth, but not to the point where I have something that has gone like super viral and I can't take advantage of it. You know, so many people are like, man, I want something to go viral, blah, blah, blah. But are you ready? Do you have stuff in the backlog? Do you have stuff that you can just not do in your life and create more content to take advantage of it? Because a lot of us don't. So the growth that I've been having has been super manageable. We're getting some new people over to Twitch and vice versa. I've been doing um, one YouTube stream a week right now after my original Twitch stream to get more of my community over and it helps with watch hours, which I'm trying to grind out right now too. Um, But I'm still trying to create that work-life balance, which I know it exists, um, but I don't really know it exists until the weekend hits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think to your point, like changing every six months, life keeps changing. There's so much that goes with it, but it feels like you have a really good self-awareness and like Thank you. Taking accountability of what you're doing and where you're at with it and like reevaluating that. Um, and it's, it's taken a while to get there though, to be fair. It's not sure. something that it, it's, it's a learned experience. You know, I have had situations in my life where um, I guess as an example, I'm off next week. We're just doing a staycation. I know that for a lot of streamers, it's like the worst nightmare. Oh my God, you're going to be off for a week. Right. Sure. But my community is in such a good space right now that this is the first time ever in six years that I'm not worried about going on vacation. Like I've got sponsors when we come back. I know the community is going to be there. um, And I'm just disconnecting, going to be in my garden, reading in the sun. And I cannot wait. Um, But again, this has been learned. And I have learned that if you put too much on your plate, instead of getting one thing done, you're going to just throw the plate in the trash. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't take breaks, Uh, My beautiful friend Blizz said your body will take them for you. And that has happened to me, too. So instead of, you know, me having a month off because I'm having a burnout breakdown or I'm I'm sick with something for a month because I wasn't treating my body right. Drink your water. Um, (laughs) Scheduling breaks every three to four months is super important and something that I've been trying to stick with now. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And then in terms of you mentioned you stream once a week on mm-hmm. YouTube as well, or you're implementing that in some way, yeah. is it a similar type of content that you're doing on the other platform? Because to the point of YouTube being different content and kind yeah. of going through, is that part of your target with that? Like, is that just a just chatting segment or do you have? It's just games. So I don't really do. I mean, I will talk. I always prioritize chat over my mm-hmm. gameplay. So there is a ton of talking, but there's a game in the background versus there are some days on Twitch where like for the first hour or two, all we do is chat. So um, the reason that I do that is because <sighs> YouTube is very hard with the live streams because uh, how do I explain this? Twitch is wonderful for discoverability. I know a lot of people don't think it is, but just hear me out for a second. Twitch is, is built around live streaming. So with everything you can be found, if somebody searches on a game category, even if you're down at the end, they'll find you there recommended. They'll find you there front page, et cetera. 
on YouTube for their live streaming, they do have a sort of like homepage area. But half the time, it's only the people that you're following. Not everybody's live. If they're live, they have like thousands of views. So the way that you get discovered on YouTube is by the pre-recorded content. Um, so with that being said, if you do a live stream and you post it publicly, number one, you get watch hours from that, which is part of the reason that I'm doing it because um, I really, again, I'd love to be a YouTube partner mm -hmm. um, and reap the benefits of that, of course. Um, but number two, there's a little game category. And now you could do something that's along the lines of just chatting, but it's not really utilized. So as an example, if I were to do a Sims stream and I put down the Sims and you have all the tags and stuff listed, they could find an old YouTube live stream that I did and I could have people come in that way. So for me, it was very like, I guess, business awareness sense and what I wanted to stream on there. So as long as it's game related and most of it is cozy games, I think that's probably going to be my best bet. I mean, it makes sense, too, in terms of it, it being more, to your point, discoverability is, yeah. is like uh, you can build off of the existing community within the game, which is exactly. in a lot of ways what we do, you know, you do on Twitch or YouTube or any yeah. of these platforms. But, you know, if you were to just go just chatting or something so broad on that, people don't scroll down or look for different streams or just like exactly. browse streams in the same way that they would on Twitch. Exactly. Right. It's just it's just a different beast. And I think mm -hmm. that's that was part of my anxiety in the beginning with YouTube of, you know, well, clearly I have been watching YouTube for years ever since it came out. And, you know, all we were getting were like comedy skits and and these other memes of the time. Um, don't mean to age myself too much. Um, but it's just it's just so different from Twitch. And especially if that's all that a lot of people have done, including myself. Um, you know, you could make the same argument with any other platform is finding out like what works on TikTok, what works on, you know, if anybody was using Facebook at the time, right? Um, every platform is going to be different. And YouTube is so prevalent. I don't see it going away anytime soon. And I think for most creators, it's the next logical step for us mm. because it's going to have the most longevity. Because sure. there's so many other ones that are popping up and regardless of how you feel about uh, your own morals or, or, or money or anything like that, um, we just don't know what the future is going to hold with them. And I didn't really want to put my eggs in a basket that could just like crumble, you know, so I figured, okay, if I'm going to spend my time doing something else, let's put it in YouTube. What was it like for you being involved with broadcast hers the virtual summit and speaking on the topic of handling trolls and rude people online because that's a whole nother issue and topic it is and i honestly i loved it because i don't i don't know i mean i guess when we stream right we're we're all kind of in a public speaking role but this one was different because it was talking about um my own experiences and the ways that I can help other people because I have been through it. I've been getting hit, you know, for being a woman and I've been getting hit on the queer sector. And it was really great to share my, my trials and tribulations with everybody, but also 
tell them how to protect themselves. Because had I not found out from other people, you know, I think I would have been in a much worse situation. Um, and it's just, I guess it's just a reminder how volatile the internet can be. You know, you can just be vibing out with your community and suddenly, wow, you have 300 people in there that are wishing for your harm just for merely existing. Um, and I've grown enough of a thick skin. Like I had to have a thick skin with teaching. Like, sure. I mean, you had to, you know, I, I came into teaching at 22 and I had a lot of like standard level classes, the majority with um, like senior boys in them. Like you find out very quickly that you, you have to, you know, have quick comebacks. You have yeah. to shut things down very fast. You need to totally be in control because as soon as you lose control, that's when things go wild. So you know, telling people that, yep, you need you need a stream deck, you need buttons on your computer someplace that you can just like put it into like hate mode where, you know, you have a follower only mode on maybe for like five minutes or, or just within the last 24 hours sub only mode, um, you know, have a game plan with your mods, try and protect yourself and take the time to mentally care for yourself. Um, as much as it doesn't affect me. I would be lying if I said that I didn't have moments where it didn't affect me, you know, like I don't, I don't ruminate sure. on it too much, but yeah, it, it has affected me in the past. And, you know, you'll see that too, even with social media stuff. Um, my most recent one, I had posted a, a tweet a week or two ago, you know, everybody was at each other's necks about the 70, 30, uh, sub split from Twitch and, they were being like really mean to some of my pals who were ambassadors and staff. And these are people that were both getting paid and unpaid to mm -hmm. help the community at large. But at the end of the day, they're not the Twitch CEO. They're not the higher ups. They're not the people in mm -hmm. suits. And people were just like blaming them, you know? And I said, can y'all just like lay off? You know, did you ever learn your manners? And then suddenly trolls found my post they were calling me every name in the book like transphobic homophobic stuff um some told me to myself and that for like 48 hours i just was like i'm getting off the internet i'm not gonna stream i need to shut down right now and just kind of reevaluate like okay going forward we're going back to the meme stuff y'all can keep infighting among yourselves because all businesses want to keep as much money as as they're they they're going to and nobody knows how to just be nice to people anymore so i was like done all right i learned my lesson thanks y'all <laughs> sure. it's so much harder with streaming too right like it's one thing to have a twitter feed or to have a video or something that's up and you could read comments on but when you're literally live yeah and there's stuff happening that's there right I, you're reacting to it live and obviously they want to see you react so you know you're probably going to have those moments where you know, if you're putting into a mo only mode and your community is still like posting emotes in chat while you're deleting and, and banning troll accounts and stuff like that, try and keep your cool as much as you can. But it's so is like so much easier said than done because they are attacking your space that you created on the Internet, like your little slice of life where nothing, you know, is going sure. into your bubble. Somebody is now in your bubble and and it's something that will, you know, stay with you. And it's very frustrating, too, because a lot of the websites that we're on now, Twitch included, they don't always have the best um, turnaround time for reports. 
especially if things are not solely within the U.S. Um, so two years ago when I was going through my hate rate period, this was really prevalent. Um, a lot of streamers of color, a lot of women and a lot of queer streamers two summers ago were really getting hit hard. And I was one of them. And come to find out one of the partnered streamers that attacked me was not from the United States. And so when I had sent in my reports, Twitch basically said, well, since they're located in another country, we're going to have to get that sector of Twitch involved. And they couldn't do anything for me. So uh, about a year later, that partner was banned for something completely irrelevant, had nothing to do with mm -hmm. a hate raid. And I said, wow. So, you know, like we had, to, I had to wait for that. Mm -hmm. Like they couldn't do anything for me. Um, so it's also, I guess, discussing that, you know, we have to make sure that our communities understand and our communities have precautions enabled because sometimes you're just kind of on your own with this and it stinks, but it's true. And I'd rather people be prepared than not. Definitely. And I mean, yeah. you have so much knowledge specifically even on that front through that. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that was reassuring going and talking and, and speaking on that. And I'm curious, like, is that something that's still out of your comfort zone? Is that where you want to continue to go towards in the future? Like, are you, uh, I guess, what are some of your future goals with your brand, with your content? Where oh, do you wow. want to keep going and expanding? Honestly, I guess, again, like YouTube is my focus right now. So still saying, staying in like yeah. the cozy sector, um, you know, but now that I've been doing that, there is this huge kind of expo every year called the Wholesome Games Direct, where there's usually like 90 plus cozy games and they're getting released either that year or within the next few years. Um, so in terms of hosting stuff, oh my God, I would love to do something like that. Cause I mean, I'm already part of it, right? I've been yeah. playing cozy games since I was younger. I think that'd be really cool to be a part of, but that's, you know, like a, a bucket list. Maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't type of goal. Um, but it's good to have some of those goals. You know, it's good to have some achievable, like within the next few weeks, within the next few months goals, but it's nice to have those in the cloud goals too. Um, that just, you know, keeps your wheels spinning, right? Um, but in terms of that, honestly, just more more Twitch stuff, uh, more games coming out, um, more, more YouTube presence. Um, I have been dabbling in some TTRPG stuff more recently, but mm -hmm. that's not something that I'm trying to introduce to my channel or to my brand. It's just something that I really enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> it's more of a hobby for me. Yeah, it's something at least to to talk about or bring up or yeah. there's interest in some other areas as well. But um, the fact that you're doing so much variety and you encompass so much, but you do have a way of encapsulating it, of, you know, having the cozy avenue and, and just having the overall like themes, I think is just it's very cool because I, I haven't seen very Thank much of it you. personally as well. So it is interesting to even hear that, like about the expo and this yeah. thing. Like, oh, I my gosh, like there's so much. It's so big. I would say within the last year and a half, it really exploded more. So like growing up, um, a lot of us had um, Harvest Moon games and then Animal Crossing came out. So I'm talking about, you know, uh, GameCube, um, you know, the Wii, the, the, the DS. And I've always been a Nintendo girl. That was my first ever console. I got the Super Nintendo when I was six. 
Donkey Kong Country 1 through 3 were my favorites, and I we always had some iteration of a Nintendo console in the house. I grew up with my mom who had a Mac computer, and at the time, you had to have Mac-specific games. Now, she was also a teacher. She taught in uh, Boston, and she needed a Mac because of the programs that she had to use for teaching. So... I remember us like buying, it was something like personal PC at the time, which would change our Mac into a PC and I could play all these other games. And one of those games was The Sims. So I've been playing that since I was like 10 or 12. Um, So I've definitely grown up with those games and I've always had them in my life. But the pandemic really like skyrocketed them. You know, they said, oh, wow, look what happened to Animal Crossing. You know, we want to emulate this with more, um, you know, farming simulators or lifestyle simulators. And uh, it's fantastic. But at the same time, it's overwhelming. But I guess I would rather be overwhelmed with too many games to play versus not enough games to play, you know? Sure. But yeah, it's it's huge. It's big. I love it. To that point, though, it's like you going in and going through the games and reviewing them and talking about like, what are the yeah. best ones you want to check out and helping to sort yeah. through that. Then it's like, Oh, you, you're, you're literally figuring out exactly what could be great for this community and yeah. giving them a service and delivering value in that front. So that's super cool. Big time. To see as well. And it's, it is great to have more options and less, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would rather, honestly, if I'm going to have a pickle, I'd rather like the too many pickles. <laughs> you know sure, what I sure. mean? <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Maybe this is a good place to even wrap it then, but yeah, what is kind of your biggest advice that you want to leave with viewers, that you want to leave with other creators that are thinking of getting in the space, maybe even been doing it? Um, what would be your message to them or advice? Everybody's journey is different, and how one person's journey is might not necessarily be your own journey. Um, research is going to be your friend. It might not be something that you're super interested in, but a lot of people always say, you know, Here's here's a good place, good time, but you kind of have to be ready for that. And if you prepare, if you realize that your fellow creators are not your competition, but your coworkers, I think you're going to have a really lovely time in the space. And not everybody has to do this as a career. If you want to do this as a hobby and it turns into the career, awesome. But I think so many people put way too many, way too much pressure on themselves to focus on the financials when that might not be, you know, here in a few years. If you want to, you know, interact with people around the globe, play video games, talk with people, really get to know them, then being a creator is going to be for you. Violet, thank you so much for joining. Thank you thank for sharing Thank you so your much for having experience. me, Stone. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so much fun. Thank you for joining. And uh, everybody, don't forget, rate, review the podcast. We always love to hear what you guys have to say, what your thoughts are. And uh, as always, happy streaming.